Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Do you know, if having an amazing life was an Olympic event, Moses would be a finalist for sure. He'd probably be on the podium. In the weeks of this series, we'll only scratch the surface of his life. You might remember Nick told us on Mother's Day that we were going to jump from Moses as a baby to Moses at 80 at the burning bush with Michael last week. So why would we take another whole week on the burning bush? Well, it's because the conversation that goes on between God and Moses, God's call to Moses and his response is vital. His response to God's call transformed his life. And God is calling you and your response to his call will transform your life. You might be thinking, God's calling me. Come on, I'm I'm still trying to sort out this whole Jesus thing. I'm, I'm not sure about it at all. Well, Jesus said, nobody comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. He pulls on their hearts to draw them to me. You know, the meeting that I went to that began God's transformation, real transformation in my life, I went extremely reluctantly. I thought I was there because Merle won the argument. In fact, God caused Merle to meet an old friend by accident, And we were there, especially me, because his love was drawing me because he wanted to transform me as he wants to transform you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to bear fruit that will last. See, he wants your life to count for eternity. Not one that's just one of billions who live and die and eventually never remembered. A life that counts for eternity. You may well know the verse, Romans 8, 28. It may have encouraged you often. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He has an eternal purpose uniquely for you and for us corporately as he fits us together. And he gifts us to fulfill that unique calling. Each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others, 1 Peter 4 tells us. So this response to God's call to you, and he is calling you, that is life transforming. But before we dive into the conversation between God and Moses and what it means for us, a note of caution, Danger Will Robinson. Uh, This is really well covered in our book of the month, Chuck Swindoll's Moses, that you can get from Seeds. Be sure it is God's call. Most of us don't get a burning bush. Like if you come to our Booragoon or Thornley campus and a bush is on fire and not being consumed and an audible voice tells you to take your shoes off, then be pretty sure that's God. Or somehow you've ingested hallucinogenic medication or mushrooms. But most of us don't get that. Now there is, this, there is a still small voice. It's very precious, but it's also very likely to be influenced by what I want and my insecurities and my drivenness. 
I'm much more likely to hear the still small voice call me to the palace in Egypt rather than the wilderness in Midian where God actually encounters Moses. Of course, fundamental to our entire walk with God is the Bible, the scripture, the word of God. 66 books, hundreds of pages of God speaking to us. That's where we begin and end, really. But there's no verse in there that says, Graham, I want you to invent water softener for baptismal baths. I mean, what am I actually specifically supposed to do? Well, thank God, I I may not have a burning bush, but I have the Holy Spirit burning in the lives of mature Christians to whom I can go. Scripture says in the multitude of counselors, there lacks not wisdom. And so I can find someone. If you're wanting to know if this is God's call, if you're really understanding the scripture properly, find someone whose maturity you know, who's, who's walked the walk for some years, who will tell you the truth, but drench it in grace and stay around to pick up the pieces if it's truth you don't want to hear. And not someone who wants you coming to them to fulfill their own needs. Okay, so note of caution, be sure it's God. Now, into Moses and God and this conversation. When I first looked at our reading today, when especially that last sentence, I almost laughed out loud because a, a huge contrast immediately jumped into my mind. Two people saw God's glory. Uh, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filling the temple and the seraphim calling. And Moses saw God in the burning bush. And God says, who will I send? To Isaiah and go to, to Moses. <laughs> Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. And Moses says, who am I? Send someone else. <laughs> now, I aspire to the first, send me, Lord, but I relate to the second. God calls and you kind of follow the Moses path. Who, me? Um, uh, I don't know, me, no, I'm not, I'm not so sure. That, uh, what if? What if that, I can't do this, send someone else. The Lord says to Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. Well, 40 years earlier, Moses might have said, okay, God, I got this. I'm a prince of Egypt. I've got access to the palace, leave it to me. And by the way, that would have been disastrous. But Moses now, Well, let's look at the facts of Moses' life. As he walks toward the burning bush, he's a fugitive. He calls himself a stranger in a strange land. He might have once had access to the royal house of Egypt, but now he's an 80-year-old shepherd. To quote a a pretty old song, (laughs) Moses may be thinking, God, you're 40 years too late. That was yesterday, but yesterday is gone. I'm yesterday's man. I might have been a prince, but now I'm just a shepherd. And the Lord is wanting to say to Moses, I don't need princes. I shape shepherds. If that's you because of maybe a mistake in your past, maybe a disappointment, maybe this, this thing just doesn't seem to be coming to pass at all. Disappointments, mistakes, They don't rule out the call of God. As you may know, we are delighted to partner with EmpowerAid, a ministry led by Jenny Quartermain. And Jen was in the youth group when I came to this church. 
I saw her become hairdresser of the year in WA, become a tertiary lecturer in that area of skill, and saw this ministry develop that helps women work their way out of poverty and disadvantage and uh, indeed sometimes oppression. But it didn't start out that way. Well, at the completion of year 12, the occupational pathway that I believed that I was heading in came to an abrupt halt. I didn't receive the marks that were required and in those days, it was all about the numbers. There was no flexibility, no alternative pathways, just a door with a very loud slam. I actually took it pretty hard. The teachers at school said, we're not sure what we're going to do with you. You know, one of those eye rolling things. So I prayed about it and I, I sought counsel from the pastors. As a result, I actually had a completely different career change. I, I did a hairdressing apprenticeship. Again, it wasn't that cool amongst my peers, but it was what I got into. And once I was fully engaged with the industry, I managed to scoop up some awards and I was managing and training a staff of 40 people by the time I was 20 and commenced work as a TAFE lecturer by the time I was 22. God had set me on another course and I had no idea of the destination. Though I did follow each step that was laid before me, sometimes grumbling and sometimes not grumbling. During the years that followed, I continued lecturing. I completed my education degree. I completed all my training and assessment qualifications. I took on associate roles for others completing their degrees. And then I also taught the new opportunities course for women who were desperate to find new pathways after many years of absence from education and employment. Weaved through this, I got married and had children. But during these years, I also developed an insatiable passion for international development, particularly for women suffering from poverty and oppression in all its forms. The long-term outcome of that initial closed door has been in Powerade, an international ministry for at-risk and poor women. I'm so grateful to Jesus for shutting that first door and setting my feet on a new path, one that I could never have dreamed or imagined. God doesn't take back the gifts he has given or disown the people he has chosen. I called you. You are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. The Lord's saying that to you. I haven't rejected you. You're my servant. See, my brother-in-law had felt that he's a very prayerful man and he would felt that he'd been promised something by the Lord in a short time. <laughs> a long time later, he wrote in his journal, Lord, your idea of a short time and mine are very different. No one had heard anything from God for 400 years before the burning bush, just like 400 years of silence before the announcement of Jesus coming. The reason there's a picture of the potter on the screen is because it's a very important metaphor in Scripture. And uh, potters tell me that the length of time the clay is on the wheel being shaped is very short, really. The clay only stays workable for a relatively short time. But then it's placed on a shelf for up to two weeks. And maybe that's where you feel you are, just sitting 
on a shelf. I must have missed it. It must be over. Nothing seems to be happening. No, it's simply God continuing to bring his purpose out in your life. The clay has to thoroughly dry out. You have an eternally significant purpose and the passage of time does not extinguish it. And of course, just quietly, you know what comes after sitting on the shelf? The kiln. But in the end, it comes out stunning. God's masterpiece, his workmanship in Christ Jesus. You shaped to fulfill an eternal purpose. Habakkuk says, if the message is not fulfilled right away, wait patiently, for it will certainly come to pass. And Isaiah says, if you honor the Lord and obey, walking in darkness without any light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. It goes on to say that trying to make your own light only leads to torment. God's response to Moses, who am I, is really significant. If he was a, a 21st century personal life coach, he might have said, find your validation within Moses. All you need is already there. When you really want it, you're unstoppable. Through courage and hard work, you can achieve anything you set your mind to. Now, those are all quotes from life coaches, by the way. God only has one simple sentence. Moses says, who am I to go? And God says, I'll go with you. Moses, you'll have me with you. And when you have me, you have everything you need. See, it's a matter of focus. All the way through this conversation, it's obvious where, that Moses is focused on him and the Lord is calling him to focus on God. God says, the elders of Israel will listen to you. And Moses says, but what if they don't listen? They just go straight past. There's those two amazing miracles with the, the snake and the leprosy. And then Moses says, well, I can't talk. I've never been able to talk and I still can't. Do you know, God says to him or gives him a promise that every member of our preaching team relies on every week. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Moses was a shepherd. And you know, if you look at a flock of sheep, if a sheep focuses on itself, it gets lost. If it focuses on the other sheep, it becomes buffeted and confused. But if it focuses on the shepherd, he leads it to green pasture and still water. He restores it. Moses' first question was, who am I? His second was, who are you? And God responds, I am who I am. Now, when I heard that, I used to think, is it a riddle? Does God not want him to know who he is? Is he trying to be enigmatic? My dad had a dad riddle. Why is a duck? And the answer was because one of its legs is both the same. And this used to make about as much sense to me as that did. And then what are you on about God? But see, that's because I read in English. If I could only read this in Hebrew, I would have realized immediately that I am who I am is a direct link to God's name, Yahweh. So is God saying, I will be with you in verse 12 and the Lord in verse 15 and 16. Dan re reminded us when we started the series, what's happening in Moses' life goes all the way back to God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 15. And the Hebrew language there links 
directly into I am who I am. 14 times God told Isaac and Jacob, I will be with you. That's why he's called in this passage, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And whatever your situation, his call to you is I am. I am. Whatever situation I place you in, I will be whatever you need me to be. My power, my authority, my name, my anointing will be with you. So Moses then goes to what if? <laughs> Don't we all? We all have what ifs. Uh, they, they call it the words of the warrior. And if you want to sum up Moses' reaction in one sentence, it's simply this. This is impossible. I can't do it. God's reaction is very interesting. God says, dead right, I've already told you that. In verse 19, I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. See, he wanted Moses to understand it's not Pharaoh versus Moses, it's Pharaoh versus God. If it's Pharaoh versus Moses, no contest, Moses loses. But Pharaoh versus God, no contest, God wins. David versus Goliath, no contest, Goliath wins. David under God's hand. So it's Goliath versus God, no contest, God wins. In your life, no contest, God wins. So long as you're in God's hand. It's not your reputation at stake. If you're under God's direction, it's God's. The night I became, or the day I became senior pastor here, see, I never planned to be a pastor never a senior pastor and when we accepted that it was a privilege by the way an amazing adventure but that night I lay in bed unable to sleep with panic just rising up in me and eventually I just said this is insane I cannot do this and as clearly as I've ever had any inner voice I heard great now if you never forget that we can do something. And we walk now around our, our Burragoon and Thornley and other places, what we see in Powerade and other ministries we partner with, and you think, look what the Lord has done. See, God showed Moses the truth of Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as rivers of water. God turns it whichever way he chooses. Do you know, over 31 years of being in radio where you're in a pop medium, perform or perish, so much of the ratings are completely out of your control. You can lose your job because the, another group buys your radio station no matter how well you're doing. And I had to time and again say, Lord, this is in your hands. And we just saw his faithful favour again and again. And he wants you to see it now. He's saying, Moses, you have to know it's me, not you. That's why he keeps asking Moses to risk his life. Throw down your staff, it becomes a snake. Moses had a lot of experience of snakes and, and that reading told us he ran away from it. Pick it up by the tail. I'll tell you this, you don't pick up snakes by the tail if you want to stay alive. Leprosy, it was uncurable. Moses heads back to Egypt before God tells him that the people who wanted to kill him are dead. He's going, putting his life on the line. I love the fact that God says to Moses, what's that in your hand? And he goes, oh, it's a staff. 
the common, ordinary, working tool of a shepherd. We're sitting backstage in our Burragoon Auditorium here, surrounded by the common, ordinary, working gear that enables our celebrations and our college to exist and to work. A staff, totally unspectacular, totally ordinary. But when he leaves the burning bush, after surrendering that rod to God, it's very different. I love Exodus 4.20. It's not in our reading today, but when he's heading out to go to Egypt, it says, Moses took the staff of God in his hand. That utterly ordinary staff in God's hand silenced Pharaoh's soothsayers. It turned the waters of Egypt to blood. It brought frogs, lice, thunder and hail and locusts. It parted the Red Sea and then brought them back again over Pharaoh's army. It caused water to flow from a rock and it enabled an army to win a battle because it was in the hand of God. See, the key is absolute surrender. We have no chance. The task we call to is impossible unless he does it in us and we are totally surrendered to him. What was it Brian Pickering taught us in the school of prayer? Totally available, radically obedient. A couple of weeks ago when Christine was leading worship, she said, what does hallelujah mean to you? And by the way, hallelujah relates back to I am that I am. And then she said, do you say hallelujah as an expression of utmost surrender, an acknowledgement that God is faithful and he will come through? Are you disappointed? Feel like you're sitting on the shelf? Feel like your failures have disqualified you? Are you just an utterly ordinary staff? You're like the boomerang that didn't come back. You're just a stick. In God's hand, you become the staff of God. What would Mount Pleasant and Thornley Campus be like if a significant number of us, afresh and anew, really surrendered to his purpose? He is calling you. His love is drawing you. So let's pray. Father, as we just simply try to be with you in this moment, we are just sticks, ordinary old common or garden staffs. But in your hand, we become your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do works that you prepared for us before we were born. May we see that in a radically large number of lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.